This is the Blue Jackets Season Preview Show, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. We are just a few days away from the Blue Jackets opening the 2023-24 NHL season. Tonight, Jody Shelley, Jean-Luc Grandpierre, and Jeff Rimmer join Bob McGalligan to analyze the final roster and prepare you for the start of the season. Now let's drop the puck on the Blue Jackets Season Preview Show, presented by First Merchants Bank. Welcome to the Blue Jackets season preview show on Thursday. Just two days from now, the Blue Jackets will open the 2023-2024 season against the Philadelphia Flyers at Nationwide Arena. I'm Bob McElligate along with Jeff Rimmer, Jody Shelley, and Jean-Luc Rampierre as we get set to just break this thing down and get you prepared for the upcoming season. And guys, it all started yesterday with the announcement of the roster, the final roster coming out of camp. Uh, 14 forwards, seven defensemen, two goaltenders, Cole Sillinger, Sean Corrali, Adam Fantilli, Johnny Gaudreau, Justin Danforth, Liam Foody, Patrick Laine, Boone Jenner, Alexander Texier, Eric Robinson, Emil Bemstrom, Kirill Marchenko, Kent Johnson, Jack Roslevic. Any surprises there for any of you guys? Uh, not really. I mean, uh, Cole Sillinger, there was a question mark there where he would fit in in camp, and he had a good camp, and he's a player that doesn't require waivers to go down. But with some transactions to put guys on our IR, like Olivier, um, you know, Chinnikov is on IR too. That gives him that extra space. So not really surprises with me, any of those. Yeah, Matthew Olivier going on injured reserve. I think, Jeff, uh, that that kind of made it an easier decision, right, for Cole Sillinger because yeah, he did have a good camp. You're right, Jody. But when you're looking at the numbers and who can go without penalty and who can't, uh, I didn't know if it'd be on this list. Well, the thing with uh, uh, Olivier, uh, he was injured late last season. Uh, obviously, uh, the offseason and his recuperating efforts uh, didn't go the way that they wanted. He came to camp uh, far from 100%. So it kind of takes the team uh, off the hook for a few weeks at least before having to ultimately decide another move or two. Because when you look, even Chinnikov, who uh, played all of one preseason game, what happens? Does he remain there? Does he get a chance to be elevated? And of course, 19-year-old Juracek had a great camp, uh, but obviously, as Pascal Vincent made it very clear, he didn't want Juracek uh, on the squad unless he can play major minutes. And he'd likely have been on perhaps the third pairing. Maybe gets a chance on that first pairing with Wierenski. Ultimately, though, in his best interest, and obviously the best interest of the team, at least for the time being, he was sent to Cleveland. Yeah, and John Luke, uh, the defense, Andrew Pig, Zach Wierenski, Ivan Provorov, Jake Bean, Adam Boquist, Eric Branson, and Damon Severson. When you look at all that, as Jeff just said, David Yurchek, he has a good camp, but he can go back to Cleveland and doesn't have to clear waivers. Again, you look at a lot of these decisions, and I think a lot of them are pretty cut and dry. Absolutely. And you talk about, uh, you know, Yurchek and then also Denton Matejchuk, who had a great camp uh, with the Blue Jackets. But there's a thing that certain teams and even the Blue Jackets in the past have done is pushing a guy a little too early into a big role with the team. And right now, like Jeff mentioned, I think for Yurchek, the best time the best way for him to develop and get some big minutes is in the American Hockey League. So why rush him when you have the luxury of having guys at this level that can fill in those roles? And there that- is one major surprise for me. And in some instances, more than a surprise, a little disappointment. But in his case, I'll tip my hat. And that is Emil Bemstrom. I did not expect there was any chance that we would see Bemstrom on this hockey team to start the season. And to his credit, he had a camp. He earned really a great camp 
he earned a spot on the team. Now, can he sustain that during the regular season? Because we've seen him uh, in preseason before uh, show some signs of what the team has expected from him in the past. But he's going to have to show some consistency in my mind. Well, he will have to show consistency. I don't think there's any question about that. And, and Jody, the thing is, Emil Bemstrom is now a couple years older, too, here. This is not uh, the kid that was thrust into uh, a pressure role when Artemi Panarin left, and they were saying, well, he's got this great shot, and he can play on the power play. His one-timer is fantastic. He got put into a situation where there was a lot of pressure early, and this is three years later. I mean, he is at the point. If you're going to mature and be in this league, now's the time. You know, it's an interesting case because he's had a very good opportunity in the, at the National Hockey League level. And coming into camp, they gave him all the opportunity uh, to come in and have success. He played with good players. Uh, he's had a strong camp with numbers. I think he's second behind line in points for the entire camp. And that's a statement by him. But credit him because we talk about a shot. You just mentioned it again. And he hasn't scored a lot of his goals this preseason are right in front of the net. Rebounds, being in the right spot, timing, and that's part of maturity. And, you know, you come over here and when, when people are talking about your one asset, you're trying to use it. Every time that puck comes to him, I don't know how you guys felt, we all kind of felt like the pressure that he had on him. And it would go wide. It would go over the net. He would flub it. Uh, it seemed like he's refined his game a little bit, maybe understanding his role. And, again, I think it's been four years with Bemstrom where – you wait, you wonder, is it going to happen? And he's been lucky not to be shuffled out because of last season and the injuries and then the opportunity that management has, has really given him. And I felt like, Jeff, you're right, and John Luke can probably feel the same way. This was his last chance to come into camp and, and really be a part of it, and good for him to be here right now. Absolutely, and, you know, chance is a big word because I'll tell you right now, if I'm the coaching staff at the beginning of the season, I'm looking at my board before camp starts, Emil Bemstrom is not on my top four lines or my my roster for sure. So it's not only they gave him a chance, but I think he took the opportunity to really open some eyes and say, hey, give me one last try. And he understands at this point of his career that, you know, that might be his last chance. Yeah, no doubt. And he did it from the very first preseason game that he played. And the thing I liked about him during the preseason is, unlike past years, he'd keep shooting the puck throughout the entire game. I go back to that St. Louis game where he had a couple of goals uh, during the preseason. He just kept on shooting. And, Jody, you mentioned this. We'd seen him in the past where he would stop shooting the puck. I always go back to that one game where he had the hat trick, right? He's got two goals in the game. He's dead on. Seth Jones gives him a pass to one time, and he gives it back to him. And Seth gives it to him again, and he gives it back to him. And finally, the third time, he takes a shot and he completes the hat trick. That, that confidence seemed like it wasn't there, but it was in the preseason. And another dynamic you you got to remember is that any other coach might have looked at him, not liked the eye test, and passed on him immediately. But Pascal Vincent understands his player, understands what the organization wants from him and what he can be if he has, if he can find that role. And that might have given him more of an opportunity here with this camp to do what he did. No doubt. Jeff, the goaltenders, this was an easy one. With Daniil Tarasov injured to start the year, not playing in camp at all, it was easy. Spencer Martin, who was claimed off waivers from Vancouver a couple of weeks ago, is here with Elvis Merzlikens. Elvis had a strong game Saturday night in Washington, and I think... That was really, really important for his psyche. Couldn't agree more. Uh, that's the best that we've seen Elvis in a long time. It was just a preseason game. Let's see him do it during the regular season, and we need him to do it on a consistent basis. Spencer Martin, uh, we watched him for just one preseason game, and uh, I thought he had a strong outing. 
uh, he kind of, and you being a goaltending guru with the, your young son, uh, he kind of I'm has, off that train. He, <laughs> it's been years now. <laughs> well, but still, uh, he seems to uh, obviously have taken uh, the advice from former Blue Jackets goaltender Ian Clark. He has a lot of the mannerisms and, and the type of goaltender that uh, obviously uh, Ian Clark was looking for. And it'll be interesting. Uh, the feeling was that he really didn't get a fair shot talking to some people. Uh, in Vancouver, he'll get more than a fair shot here backing up uh, Elvis. And it'll probably be for the foreseeable future because Tarasov has yet to appear during the preseason. Let's talk to the real goaltending guru because he is a beer league goalie in his <laughs> off time. Uh, Jean-Luc, what, what Jeff just mentioned about that's the best we've seen Elvis, it also, in his defense, is the first time we've seen Elvis in this camp with a full NHL defense in front of him. And the talking points all summer was making the defense better, making the system better, should make the goaltender better. Hopefully that was a, a little look at what we're going to see on Saturday night with the, the full lineup. Absolutely. And for me, uh, the coaching staff said they want to bring structure in front of the goaltender because, you know, the defense that was in front of uh, Elvis or Tarasov or Corpusalo last season was not quite NHL, you know, elite, let's call it. <laughs> so it was uh, hard for the goal those goaltenders to have to scramble, scramble, scramble as they couldn't make their reads. This season, it's going to be a different story. And in that exhibition game, there were a few breakdowns. And that's when you need, you know, those $10 million goalies, the Vasilevsky, the price when he was in his prime, they make those big save. And that's what Elvis showed in that last preseason game. So those are not breakdowns going to happen like every two minutes in the game, but you need that big save. And I think in that game in Washington, he was able to prove that he can make those when needed. Yeah, and it's huge. This You talked about the psyche of it, Bob. And you think about that, yet yeah, the preseason, of course, you want to come in and play game number one and be great for Elvis Merzlikens. But just the fact that he found his game, he, he played, a, he blocked shots, he just stayed within himself. That's huge. That's you got to get something out of the preseason and the other games we watched, and maybe it was the structure and the clientele in front of him that made him feel comfortable. But now he can take a breath and and, and kind of enjoy the build up to Thursday for his game number one uh, of the eighty-two game season. And, and that that little bit of confidence it really could help him and the players in front of him because you think about that if you have a goaltender that you know he's not totally confident, and not happy with himself, you might play a little different. So that, that's a real positive. By the way, Bob, beer league goalies were used to scrambles because breakdown happened every single shift. That's right. Just want to put that Do you even know no who your defensemen are in that league? <laughs> nope, and they don't know. <laughs> so, well, good. So we're hoping that, that is, uh, that's a good sign for Elvis. Um, I, I think it was the first time in the preseason that he didn't feel like he had to do more than was necessary. And, and that has been, we've been beating that drum for years, right? And his coaches have been beating that drum for years. Just play the position. Stop the John Tortorella was famous for. Just stop the puck. I don't care. Just stop the puck. Um, you know, there was the one preseason game. He's diving and he's doing things. It, I, I really got the impression for the first time he's looking in front of him and he's seeing Provorov and Severson and Wierenski and Goodbranson. And you're going, you know what? I think we're okay here. He has to make the saves he's supposed to make. That's the biggest thing for me. Make those saves. There's going to be some difficult shots that pretty well can beat any goaltender but make the saves you're supposed to make and he will have a successful season and in my I opinion i think that you know the mantra just stop the puck i think there needs to be a little evolution in that because you watch the vegas golden knights win the cup last year their structure in front of their goal the goaltender made it predictable and you're right aiden hill he went in there an unknown goaltender as well and and 
he made the stops when he had to, they had to be made. And, you know, they went through five goaltenders last year, but still won the cup. And, and that shows you that it's not just stop the puck. It's play within the system and, and, and just be there when they need you. Yeah, and that worked out great for Aiden Hill. He was the last guy, and he got the big contract. That's right. <laughs> Timing, be the, Bob. Be the last guy in there. Be the guy that hoists the, the cup, and you can cash in, right, Jeff? One more thing. Yes. Body language. Just be within yourself. How many times, as broadcasters and as fans, you look at Elvis and dejectedly squat the puck out of the net after giving up, unfortunately, a bad goal. Just keep the body language to a minimum. I, I thought you were talking to me, so I'm glad you cleared that up. <laughs> Your body language on radio That's is That's why I'm on radio, problem. because yeah. it's terrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. This is the Blue Jacket Season Preview Show. Stay with us. We'll come back and continue with more right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Blue Jacket Season Preview Show. Bob McElligot, Jeff Remmer, Jody Shelley, Jean-Luc Grandpierre. And we want to get into the coaching here because that was obviously a huge focus during the summer. Not once, but twice as it turned out for the Blue Jackets. But Pascal Vincent is the head coach of this team. And, you know, Jody, I'll start with you because there was a lot of noise on the outside when everything went down. And I think everybody outside of maybe even this very room thought the Blue Jackets are in big trouble. This is huge turmoil. How are they going to get through this? What are they going to do? I know how I felt, and I'm guessing that you guys may have felt the same way. I knew the perfect guy was in place for this. Um, if Pascal Vincent wasn't here, then maybe it's a five-alarm fire. But he was here. He was ready. He's familiar with the organization, with the players. He is slotted right in. And three weeks later here, it seems like business as usual, doesn't it? It does. And it's been impressive just to watch him manage his way, navigate his way through training camp because, you know, a lot of stuff he was at the mercy of that was already in place. And he's a very calculated, heartfelt person that is always learning, but a very good teacher and demanding in a way that um, it's a quiet demand, but he makes it count. And I think his players respect that immensely. And you almost sense a little bit of relief with the guys. You hear them talk about it's brought them together, but they didn't know what was going to happen. And individually, John Luke, that's a tough feeling when you have a new coach who's going to change things, everything, and you don't know where you fit in. A lot of guys would have been uneasy, and I think there's an appreciation of having a guy they know, a guy they respect, a guy who's demanding and structured exactly what they want. Uh, he's putting new systems in place, and I hope it works out for Pascal because everything to this point shows you that I mean, I would want to run through a wall for him just because the way he treats people and the way he understands people. And I think that's such a, uh, a key skill to have in the National Hockey League at this time. Yeah, for me, uh, Pascal, you, you know, you look at him and he doesn't seem like the type of coach that's going to walk in a locker room and kick and scream and go out at guys. But he has uh, that sense of respect. If you look at just the intensity of the practices and training camp so far this year, it's, you know, much greater than it was last season. But one of the things for me is like the adjustments that he's willing to make in practice. And it's easy as a coach to come in with your coaching plan and, you know, run through drills. But I've seen him stop even like two on one drills, like right in the middle and instruct. This is how we should do this. That's really important, especially early in camp, to establish that kind of culture to make sure that everybody's on the same page and doing the same thing. So for me, that's the biggest thing that I've seen with Pascal Vincent and this team so far is like the intensity in practice. They're short. 
but they're going at high octane. And then the second thing is the adjustments. Because Jody, you have a son, I have a son, and the worst is when you see a coach just run through a practice and he's just going drill after drill after drill with no adjustment. This is the NHL and the coach making adjustments all the time. That's a good thing to see. And Jeff, it wasn't as though Pascal Vincent didn't have an opportunity. I mean, he interviewed for other jobs over the summer. And I remember people were saying to me, why did that guy stay here? I mean, they passed over him two times for that job. Why did he stay? And thank goodness that he did stay. But he's he's a loyal guy. Um, but it's it's not just that. I mean, he, he feels, uh, you can just tell from the way that he coaches and the way he talks, he feels a sense of responsibility and ownership here, and he wanted to make a difference. And if that meant working with another guy and learning more, which he said in a short period of time, he learned a lot of things. He was willing to do that and continue to make this organization better. Well, make no mistake. Uh, I talked to Pascal uh, shortly after uh, uh, he was told and informed that uh, he was not going to be the new head coach, and he was devastated. But uh, that lasted for a day. And wouldn't you know it, uh, a number of teams called and asked for permission. And uh, one of them was the New York Rangers. And they gave it a long, hard look. But the decision was made there to get an experienced coach. And uh, from what I understand, he had an impressive two days in New York. He was pleased with uh, how things went. And, and so was Chris Drury and the Ranger Brass. But uh, ultimately, uh, they went to Laviolette, the experienced guy, a Stanley Cup winner. And you can certainly understand but uh, once everything was kind of flushed out, uh, he was willing to accept the challenge. And he says, hey, I will learn by this. And, of course, uh, then a bit of a chaotic scene there for 24, 48 hours. He took the reins, and I liked the way he immediately stepped in and uh, really showed that he was in charge. And it was right there at the news conference after uh, both Yarmo and, and J.D. spoke and uh, uh, they took ownership of the situation, and uh, Pazzi just put everything aside, and he was focused for the job. I think training camp has been outstanding. I think the practices in particular, totally different than what we've seen here over the last couple of seasons. I don't think that, uh, uh, and I'm not telling any tales out of school here, but I don't think that over the last season, maybe two seasons, uh, he really had a chance to put his mark on the team. Obviously, he came in as associate coach, but the team was pretty well run by Brad Larson. But he has put his stamp on this team here throughout training camp, and I think the fruits of the labor will be noticed here over the course of the year. Yeah, you're right. From from the first moment, you have to establish yourself, and he did just that. And Jody, because he got elevated, there was a spot open on the staff, and right away there was a lot of question about what will the Blue Jackets do, promote somebody from within again, uh, what will happen, and lo and behold, only a couple days later, the Blue Jackets are playing a preseason game at Pittsburgh. I'm in the press box, and I go, oh, there's Mark Recchi. Wonder what he's doing here. He's wearing a tie. Who's this guy working for? Why is he here? Well, two days later, guess who he's working for? The Blue Jackets. So they bring in a guy who he has assistant coaching experience, both in Pittsburgh and New Jersey, and a heck of a lot of NHL experience. So uh, this addition to the staff, again, I, as a player, what, what do you think when you see you got a guy like Mark Recchi with his reputation on your staff? It just elevates everything. I mean, he's got a pocket full of Stanley Cup rings, first of all. So he's got that experience. He's a he's a guy that is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. You know, he's he's played the game the right way. And, and to have a guy like that, I just think I remember seeing guys like that as a player on the ice. You look on the bench and you're like, wow, you give the, that team a little more respect. And I think the players in the locker room, 
uh, I was talking with Mark Recchi yesterday at the golf outing, and he's such a humble and just an easygoing guy, easy guy to talk to. But you still have that moment where you're like, wow, talking to Mark Recchi. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a cool experience, and I think the players do that. And I've seen him in practice make – little adjustments or little encouragement or little just uh, identifying something within a player. I saw him with Fantilli after one practice. It goes a long way from a guy like that. He, he doesn't seem like a guy with a lot of words, but he, he'll point something out, and it's appreciated so much because I don't know how many practices I've been through, and at the end of the practice, you're trying to work on something that you know you need to work on. Say it's a shot or something or skating. But if you have a guy like that that comes over and, and has the time for you to, to make that encouragement, it goes a tremendous – you feel like you're doing the right thing, and I think that when you talk to him, he brings that to the, to the ice and to the bench and, and the locker room. We don't even know. But I love the coaching staff adding it too because you've got Jared Bull, Steve McCarthy, Pascal Vincent. That's a young staff. That's a young coaching staff uh, with Pascal Vincent. And now you've got a guy that's been there, done that, and it just reaffirms a lot of things. So I think they have a great time in there. There's already a good bond. And he loves being in Columbus, which is uh, which is great for us. Nice to have those Stanley Cup rings in the uh, dressing room as well. Yeah, yeah, no question. Steve McCarthy, Jody just mentioned John Luke. Uh, you know, this is a guy where after you look at last year and where the team finished and how many goals they gave up, it's easy to say, how do you not make a, a change on the guy that's in charge of the defense? Well, he didn't have any defense <laughs> all year long. I mean, he's going to get a, an actual opportunity this year with that revamped defense. Yeah, he's going to have a big opportunity. And this year, you know, it's going to be hard to make excuses given the, the amount of talent that is on the back end. But one of the things that is going to help this year with that coaching staff is the return of Zach Warinski. And it's one of these things that we haven't really talked about enough to me. The top three for the Blue Jackets is completely different. It's like you acquired Warrenski from IR, basically, and then Proveroff Severson. So that's going to change the whole complexion of the defense for Steve McCarthy. And also the relationship between McCarthy and uh, Zach Warrenski. We've heard Zach talk about it in the past, that he has a great relationship with, <clears throat> with uh, McCarthy on the back end. So for me, when your leader on defense is talking that way about your defensive coach, everybody's going to jump on board. So I think it's going to be a great year for the defensive squad. Zach Warrenski, Steve McCarthy, remember a couple of years ago, uh, or it was last year, I guess, when, when Zach said they were a defensive pair when Zach first came out of Michigan and went to Cleveland and they won a Calder Cup together. Yeah, and that's so valuable, just that trust that Zach has in him but as well you think about Zach Wierenski he's been off the entire season uh, we expect him to come in and be Zach Wierenski of midseason uh, two years ago right and and Steve McCarthy used him so much it was almost like he said Zach would get enough time on the bench to catch his breath and if it was a penalty kill a power play up or whatever it was he would be right back on the ice kind of that that go-to guy but now they have Proveroff as well who looks like a workhorse on that left side so He's someone that Steve McCarthy is going to appreciate as well. If Zach's not up to speed to start the year or there's something he sees a little off because he knows him so well, then he's got a guy that he can throw out there and kind of cover that up for a few minutes. Interesting to see that uh, during the preseason, uh, Provorov and Severson actually had more ice time than Zach Warinsky, and Zach would be the first guy to admit that uh, it's going to take him a while after missing much of last season, almost the entire year. It's going to take him a while to uh, get back to the Zach Warinsky that we're familiar with. By the way, going back uh, to Recky, I can't believe you didn't connect the dots. Guy that's been around for as long as you have and missing out on really what have been uh, Blue Jackets scoop of the year. I know. I could have broken right during the game. 
Nobody would have heard it. Come on, but I Bob. Preseason. <laughs> Come on, Bob. Preseason <laughs> form. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Uh, coming up next, there were some deals that were done in the NHL yesterday. We'll talk about that as the Blue Jackets season preview show continues here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Blue Jackets season preview show. Blue Jackets and the Philadelphia Flyers Thursday night, 7 o'clock nationwide arena. Get here early because there will be a plaza party. There's going to be live music. There will be games and much more. And everybody in attendance gets a schedule magnet. So make sure you get here for your tickets. Go to bluejackets.com. I'm Bob McElligot, Jeff Rimmer, Jody Shelley, Jean-Luc Grandpierre with me here. And yesterday, guys, there were some deals made around the league. And the first one was Rasmus Dahlin, Jean-Luc, in uh, Buffalo. He got an 11-year deal, what, $88 million? Yes, a lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah, you can... He said he wanted to stay in Buffalo for as long as he possibly could. I'd never heard anybody say that in my life, but that's what he said. <laughs> and he got his wish uh, with a big contract. Well, Buff, uh, you know, Buffalo drafted Dahlin. He's been there a whole career. It's been a rough patch early on when he was playing under Phil Housley. It was a rough start to his career, but, you know, they believed in him, and I think he recognized that. And Kevin Adams, uh, my old roommate, uh, came out big with that uh, big deal. $88 millions for uh, seven years? Is that yeah. Eight, years. Eight, years. Eight, years. eight years. Eight years. Yeah, that's the max so, you can sign is eight years. Yeah, that is uh, an incredible deal. But you, you look at the deal, even when they signed Thompson last year, you know, everybody was like, this is crazy money. And then after the year Thompson had, you know, you, it looks like a bargain right now. And with the cap going up in the future, 11 seems like a lot right now. But I'm telling you, in two, three years, they're going to get their return for Darlene. And I believe he's going to win a, a Norris Trophy here in the next three to four season because uh, last year was a big step forward for his career and he played great hockey for them. I like their team. I mean, the last couple of years they've had, was it two years ago they had the best start you've ever seen yep. and then they dipped for a longer a period of time. Yeah, I of think that. they won 11 and then lost 11. Yeah, or something it was like that. such yeah. an up. What I mean, that's a tough room to be in when you're going through that. But it seems like they have the pieces now that are matured. Their back end is so mobile. And it seems like everything goes through Owen Power and Darlene. They're so slick and they drive the play when they're out there. Um, Samuelson is a big, steady, young defenseman there, Alfie's son. And, you know, they got some really good pieces on the back end. And then up front, you got a guy in Alex Tuck that's there um, that wants to be there. Kind of To me, that was the, the culture, obviously, with trading Eichel. The culture changed there. And then some of the picks they've picked up. So good on them. They're going to – obviously, Darlene is their centerpiece. They're going to build around him. Uh, now they've got a goaltender, a young guy that uh, is playing really well. So – I like what they're doing. They should make some noise. I don't know if they can take all the pressure because it seems like everyone is saying, talking about Buffalo being better uh, along with Ottawa. But do they have enough veterans? And, and do you know Ocpozo at all? Uh, not personally, but I've seen you know what he's done as a captain. I think he I think he's a, he's good for the room. That's the reason why they signed him this summer. And not everybody was on board with the deal that he signed with Buffalo. But I think the presence in the room is one of the main reason why I think they had to sign him and keep him there because he re, he really was the glue for that group last. Season. He seems rejuvenated, and he seems like he wants to be a part of this. And uh, those are huge upsides for this team. For me, it's going to come down to goaltending. Uh, the rookie you mentioned, uh, Levi, he's going to get an opportunity. And it's interesting. Uh, today, a lot of the so-called uh, prognosticators are predicting uh, who's going to win Rookie of the Year. And Bedard, an overwhelming favorite. Then there are players like uh, uh, our own, Fantilli. Uh, Levi's another uh, highly uh, respected uh, rookie. 
Uh, you look around the league, there's a number of young players, and boy, is it ever getting to be a younger National Hockey League when you look at all these 18-year-olds. That kid that uh, played for Buffalo, Benson, he's made the team. He was a draft pick uh, back in June, just like Fantilli, and uh, boy, he was impressive in the two games against the Blue Jackets, and here he is. He's made the team and was one of the final uh, decisions that uh, Buffalo made. So yeah, I think Buffalo can challenge for a playoff spot if they get the goaltending. They also have Laukanen, and uh, does he split the duties, or do they give Levi, former uh, Canadian standout for Team Canada, it'll be interesting to see just how he fits in and how well they do with him in goal. Another big deal yesterday, actually two of them for the same team, the Winnipeg Jets signing Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck. Everybody had Connor Hellebuck going to some other team all summer long. The New Jersey Devils, they had to find a way to get Connor Hellebuck. He's going nowhere. Jeff, how surprised were you at this? I'm shocked. Shocked, plain and simple, because he made it very clear at the end of the season that he was not going to re-sign with Winnipeg. He wanted to have his kids. He's an American kid, and I want my kids to grow up in the United States. He was very convincing, and from what I understand, uh, Shevel Dayoff did try to make some moves. I thought Shifley, and there's been all kinds of stories about the bad room in Winnipeg. Would he possibly move, be moved? He's uh, got somewhat of an attitude. Well, he had a pretty good year last year, a career-high 42 goals, I believe, and uh, they signed identical $8.5 million deals, uh, both quite shocking, both quite surprising, and Winnipeg, and the Jets have made it very, very clear, even throughout the summer, that they are not rebuilding. They still felt that they had the team that could compete for a playoff spot, and you never know if you make the playoffs what can happen. Rick Bonus came back. He made a lot of changes, uh, kind of shook up the dressing room, actually stripping the captaincy off Wheeler, who is now a New York Ranger. We'll get a chance to see him on Saturday, and he's in our uh, division here right now. But, hey, give the Jets credit, give uh, Shevel Dayoff credit, and they still feel that they've got a competitive team. And with one of the better goaltenders in the National Hockey League, you can't count them out. And, Jody, Kevin Shevel Dayoff, he had to do something. I mean, he's been there for a long time, and when you feel like things are falling apart, you've got to make a move, and those were two big moves. It's a statement. It's a statement to the, to the fans. It's a great deal for those guys. I mean, Shifley's 30 years old. He's got a seven-year deal. It's hard to turn that down. Hullabuck, he's still – you've got to have goaltending. And he's not in that – he might be knocking – is he still in the top five tier? I, I don't know, but he's, he's right there. I mean, he's a big guy. He's won the Vezina Trophy. He's a key centerpiece of the leadership group of that team. Uh, I like what they did. They've lost Dubois. They've lost Wheeler. Uh, two big forwards. So now they're making that statement to the locker room, the organization, and the fans to say, these are the guys we're building around. We're not, we're not falling away yet. And, and, you know, maybe Shifley alone without Wheeler is a different Shifley. I think you're right. I think you're right because uh, the two of those ran the dressing room and uh, to some extent, hey, we can bring Patrick Laine up here right now. He was really uh, not happy with the situation there in Winnipeg and felt that uh, he was slighted by those two. A lot of stories have been written. So uh, coming to Columbus and uh, really becoming uh, part of the fabric of this team this year. And, you know, I know we've talked about the Blue Jackets already, but uh, give Line a, a little bit of credit here. He's shown some leadership right from day one of camp. Uh, everyone well 
well aware of uh, inviting Fantilli to live with him during training camp and the like. So, yeah, uh, he's a different player here than obviously he is and was in Winnipeg and uh, certainly much prefers the situation here in Columbus. Yeah, he said some good things. And, you know, Jean-Luc, it's uh, talk to talk, walk to walk. And so far, I think Jeff's right. He's been doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, he's been a great example of, uh, you know, growth over the summer i don't know what happened exactly spent the summer here in columbus playing that league uh you know had the fans you know and sometimes you watch the body language and patrick liney his body language is not it's hard to tell but whether he has a hat trick or the worst game of his life he's gonna walk off the ice the same way and i watched him this summer uh, uh, interacting with the fans and you know staying out you know never going back to the locker room with all the players just taking pictures and signing autographs it's almost like he really enjoys Columbus but it's not a joke you know we always hear the jokes about him and Roslovic telling him about Columbus you can tell he's really enjoying his time here so that's a good thing to see now to go back to Shifley and uh, Hellebuck you asked me if Hellebuck's still in top tier I think Hellebuck should have been was he one of the finalists last season for yes. that goaltender yeah. yeah he's still on top of his game there's no doubt about it and then for Shifley, I think there was a lot of rumors with him going to Boston with the loss of Patrice Bergeron. I think in Winnipeg, they were like do or die right now. And it's a little bit of a desperation move, kind of like we saw Calgary do with Huberdo last season and sign him to a 10-year deal, you know, like a, a huge deal. They don't have a choice. Those Canadian markets that are in smaller, aside from Edmonton, because they have McDavid and Drysaddle, they need to do something to convince their fans to come back. Because they were desperate for people to come to the game last season in Winnipeg, which is, you know, a strong hockey market. So I think it shows a commitment to the fan, the community, like you said, but more importantly to the locker room. Because these guys went into training camp not knowing what was going to happen. Are we going to have a goalie? Are we going to have one center? Now everything is settled. They can just move on and keep developing these young guys. All right, those were the big deals yesterday in the NHL. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Metropolitan Division and how are the Blue Jackets going to fare in that this year. This is the Blue Jackets Season Preview Show presented by First Merchants Bank on 97.1 The Fan. Getting ready to wrap up the Blue Jackets season preview show. The Blue Jackets face off against Philadelphia on Thursday night, season opener at Nationwide Arena against the Philadelphia Flyers. Let's talk about this Metropolitan Division, guys, because this is a divisional matchup to get things going. And, you know, Jody, it's when you start to look at, you know, which teams could finish where. Look, Carolina and New Jersey seem to be locks for a playoff spot in this division just today. Um, the New York Rangers pretty close to a lock in this division and then a battle maybe to see Washington's getting older Pittsburgh they think they're rejuvenated now I've read all the stuff about how Eric Carlson's made such a difference I'm not buying it um they're they're also another team that's getting older you've got the Flyers who have basically stripped it down and they're starting to rebuild it the Islanders I don't even know what the Islanders are right now do they know what they are so um when you look at this and you look at the division overall, and nobody knows what the Blue Jackets are either because, as we've talked about, last year was not a true representation of what this team is. Are they going to be in the fight for that wild card spot, or could they be in the top three in this division? I, I wouldn't put them in the top three today, but I'd put them in that four or five slot. I think they're going to surprise a lot of teams. I think they're going to be way more organized uh, defensively. The system that they're putting in place here now, uh, it's similar to the way Vegas plays in the D zone where they're swarming pucks. They're trying, their focus is getting out of the zone as quick as they possibly can. 
the acquisitions they've made are key. I think everyone's in wait-and-see mode in Columbus. I think we are too, but I think we know more uh, about this team and we expect more because exactly what you just said. Last year was not a real indication uh, when you have so many bodies out of the lineup and it just turned bad right away. And, uh, you know, you can look at the Metro and, you know, okay, let's put Carolina at the top because that's a team that contends and understands how to win and their group is still together. And let's put the Flyers at the bottom. But they're going to be better too. These two teams in Columbus and and Philadelphia are not going to give up points like they did last year. That's going to make things tighter and tougher on everyone in this division. Uh, and, And I look at... Washington and Pittsburgh, and I feel they're kind of in the same boat because when you have superstars, you always approach the season like that window is closing, but it's still available. And I think Pittsburgh is a great example of that last year and what they did as a team. Uh, Malkin and Crosby played every game last year as two of the older guys in that team, and that, that was huge for them. Can they do it again? The Rangers and the, uh, the, the Rangers and the Devils, to me, I think they're going to be neck and neck. I, I have a lot of time for the Rangers. I think they're going to do whatever it takes. When you go out and hire Peter Laviolette, uh, you make that change from Gerard Gallant, who had over 100 points last year for that team in wins and, and what he did. You're making a statement that it's not acceptable to lose the, to the Devils in the first round after being up two games and nothing. I think they got punched in the stomach, and I think that they'll be better. So I put them the same. And then I have no idea about the New York Islanders. I mean, I don't even know. They didn't make any changes. Uh, they believe in what they have going on there. They have a fantastic goalie in Sorokin. Uh, do they surprise a lot of teams? To me, they could be the Penguins. They could be the Penguins of last year coming into this season, but I'm not banking on it. I'm 50-50 on them. Isn't that weird, Jeff? Uh, usually with a Lou Lamarillo team, you know what they're going to be like. But this one is uh, its a head-scratcher. Well, and he promised changes during the offseason, and, of course, they were unable to do so. Uh, uh, quite frankly, with the salary cap such as it was, and he had players he wanted to move, but teams didn't want the players that he was willing to move. Uh, for me, though, and ditto what uh, Jody pretty well said on everything, now I'll tell you what I really think. Uh, fact of the matter is, it's Carolina and everybody else. Carolina got stronger. They picked up Dmitry Orlov, already an outstanding defense. There was talk all summer that Pesci was going to be moved, who still hasn't signed, that Brady Shea possibly could be moved. They've got Burns there. They are exceptional on the blue line. In goal, I think they're certainly solid. There was talk they could make a change there. It didn't happen. But I can tell you, they are a bitter group. They lost four straight games to the Florida Panthers. I saw two of them in South Florida after our season was over. And uh, they still, there's a bitter pill there to swallow that uh, they're still not willing to accept. And I believe they are the team that uh, is pretty well going to run away with the Metropolitan Division. Devils should be better, but I'm questioning their goaltending. I don't know. They were, they were talking about Hellebuck. There's a team that was certainly interested in Hellebuck. Do they have the goaltending to go with their elite uh, forward group? Uh, Rangers, I'm not sold on the Rangers. I'll give Laviolette this, though. Wherever he has coached in the first year, the team has excelled. So if that's the case with the Rangers, they'll have a, have a solid year. Uh, Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh, and, and yeah, uh, you're kind of poo-pooing what uh, uh, people are saying around Pittsburgh, and uh, you could be right. Interesting. They start uh, the season with Gensel, uh, allegedly on the shelf, yet he's probably going to play opening night against Connor Bedard and uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. So I, I think that uh, Crosby, I walked out of the building with him here 
the last game of the season, and uh, he didn't know what he was going to do. He said, hey, I've never been free at this time in April. He didn't know what he was going to do in the summer. He had no idea, and I think that he'll be motivated, and hey, he always gives it 110% anyway. Malkin, I I think Malkin uh, had a pretty solid year, as Jody pointed out, played all 82 along with Crosby. I think Pittsburgh's got a chance if they get the goaltending. They, too, uh, were a big question in the playoffs as far as their goaltending was concerned. So it's going to be interesting. I think the Jackets can certainly compete in the division. Uh, we'll see. If they can stay healthy, they will certainly uh, have an impact in the Metropolitan. Yeah, it always comes back to goaltending. And I, I agree with you. And that's why I say that. It's it's not just the Eric Carlson thing. I mean, they are adding another older defenseman. But he's a guy that had over 100 points last year. But Tristan Jari is the guy that's got to prove it there and. Always comes back to goaltending, doesn't it, John Luke? It kind of does. Uh, you know, when you talk about Pittsburgh specifically, I think uh, one of the big thing that they improved over the summer was third and fourth line. You know, they brought Nieto, Cherry, Riley Smith. So they have a lot. Uh, Lars Eller is going to be in the middle as well. I think that was their big problem last year because if you look at Malkin and Crosby's line was not a problem, but line three and four was just minus, minus, minus. So if you can't compete deep in your lineup that's the biggest problem so up front i'm not worried now on the back end you bring carlson having carlson on your back end you make you need to make some adjustment of some kind because there's a certain type of player that he is it might take some minutes away from latang who knows latang can use the break to be honest with you let's see what happened but like you said in that you know can you really trust tristan jari during the regular season, not so worried about it. But once comes that push there, late in April, I mean, mid-April, late in the season and beginning of the playoff, that's when we're going to see what he's made of because whether we talk about injuries, inconsistencies, excuse me, it's been hard to watch Jari over the last three seasons. What else do you like in this division? Well, there's no doubt Carolina is the cream of the crop. There's no doubt about it. New Jersey, I think they'll still be really good. They should be second in the division. Uh, they did lose a little bit on the, the backside, on the back end. I like the steps that Kevin – is it Kevin Ball? Is that his name? Ball, the defenseman, 88? For? For New Jersey Devils? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's taking a big step forward. It's going to be a big part of their lineup. But uh, So is it going to be like last season? Maybe a little less. The Rangers, is the, t- the Rangers and the Islanders, both New York teams, I'm not sure. The Islanders, I don't think anybody knows what's going on with them, including Lula Moriello. And then for the Rangers, there is just this cloud over this team right now. The Stars, if you look at the star power, there's no doubt. They should be a playoff team, but I think Pittsburgh might pass them. That's how uncertain I am about the New York Rangers this year. They got great goaltenders, great defensemen, unbelievable forwards, but they need these Lafreniere and Kakos to really take that next step like Heedle did last season. And if these guys don't step up, they could be in trouble. Well, and that was opinion. the thing that Gerard Gallant got a, a whole bunch of uh, heat about, right, was uh, Lafreniere and and uh, not playing the kids enough on that team, which, look, look at the veterans you have. <laughs> Why would you play the kids more when you have those kind of veterans on that team? But I also do kind of agree with what uh, you guys said, Jeff and Jody, Peter Laviolette, you know, when you hire him, you're on the clock because yeah. there's a you fired a great coach. You fired a great coach, and you have a guy. As Jeff said, there's a there's a window there, right? You're going to have the immediate attention, but how long is that attention going to last? You got to go after it right now when it comes to that. 
Well, I like the Wheeler pickup, too. I mean, Blake Wheeler in New York, they've got Jonathan Quick on the bench as a backup goaltender. He's got Stanley Cup championships. Listen, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm bullish on the Rangers. I, I think that this is a management group and an ownership group that wants to win now. And the fact that they went out of the playoffs to the team that's 15 minutes across from the Hudson River, the New Jersey Devils, after being up mm. and winning the first two games 5 nothing and putting it into Cruz, they lost an opportunity. And I think this group comes back motivated. Um, I think they come back with uh, something to prove every game. And I think the urgency is there. And I, 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 Laviolette can provide that. It's going to be a fun year in the Metropolitan Division, isn't it? It sure is. I can't wait. Let's drop the puck right now. All right. Well, we can't do it right now, but we're going to do it two days from now. 7 o'clock start at Nationwide Arena. The Flyers are here. Remember, come early, plaza party, music, games, schedule magnets if you're in attendance at the game. So come out and join us. That's going to do it for the Blue Jackets season preview show. It's presented by First Merchants Bank. Thanks to Jeff Rimmer, Jody Shelley, John Luke Grandpierre. I'm Bob McElligot, and we'll see you at Nationwide Arena Thursday night for the Blue Jackets and Flyers.